Hello. Ha- oh, I'm doing hello. <laughs> yeah, go on. Hello, welcome to the Refigure podcast. I'm Reefa. And I'm Christopher. And this is your check-in season, weekly adventures in tech and diversity in the arts and culture. What are we going to talk about this week? Uh, This week we're going to talk about Midnight Gospel, the adult animation series by Pendleton Ward, which popped up on Netflix. We binged that. And we're also going to have a conversation about Indian-American star Mindy Kaling. Mainly we watched Never Have I Ever. A little teen film. Um, No, it's a series, wasn't it? We just watched it really fast. John McEnroe's in that. Anyway... How are you doing, Reefa? Are you all right? I'm very well, thank you. I have been watching a little bit of Joe Wicks. Have you? Doing a little bit of um, H-I-I-T. We're going H-H-I-I-T-T-I. Is that what he does? It's called High Intensity Interval Training, Chris. It's all the rage. People have been doing it for ages. You get, you get those, you get the hip definition, mate. The word hip is very ASMR. Um, so have you been doing high intensity? Uh, have you not noticed my svelte physique? Yeah, since always. lockdown. I haven't interacted with Joe Wicks in any direct way except you won't for like other it. people talking about their kids liking him. You won't, you won't like it. Um, he reminds me a bit too much of... Um, anyway, I won't say who. Carry on. Who does he remind carry you on, of? Carry on, carry on. I'll tell you later. No, tell, tell me. If, no. it, if it's a name, I'll bleep it, it out. You watch it. I'll bleep it. it. You watch it. Because it'd be fun to bleep tell something. Me, you tell me who he makes I'm not going to watch of. it. You just tell me who it is. Go on, and I'll bleep it. I promise I won't run it without your permission. Well, let's talk about what we've been watching, Chris. You didn't ask how I was. Oh, yeah. How are you? <laughs> how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I finished my big project that I've been working on, which is a a folk chorale piece, big composition of folky songs for the America Ground, which is a historic site in Hastings. And uh, I've been working on that for a couple of months. Obviously, that was a project that was a residency in Hastings, but then it got shut down when we got shut down. But I still finished it and I handed it in, so that feels awesome. Seven new songs. Yeah, they're actually going to get 12 or 13 songs in the end. There are five more that are almost done. Wow. But all the composition was finished, so that was good. Pendleton Ward is the perhaps genius who made Adventure Time, wonderful long-running cartoon series. And now he's made an adult cartoon show. It's called Midnight Gospel. It's his first work with Netflix. And it was co-written and created with a quite well-known podcaster and actor called Duncan Trussell. Merging with Simulator in three, two, one. life that you thought was real was just a dream holy shit are you a metaphor just be here now reefer describe um midnight gospel and then tell us what you thought of it so it's a psychedelic animation for our grown-ups where somebody lives in a trailer his name's clancy and he goes off to have adventures every week he picks a planet to visit and he picks an avatar, i.e. a, you know, a bodysuit in order to go and visit this place in order to interview interesting people. What I love about it is that most of it is based on 
real podcast audio where people are talking, experts are talking about different meditative techniques like deep breathing or mindfulness. Um, I think there's one about more mystical meditation. If you just listen to the podcast part of it and you're sort of zoning out on the animation, you kind of miss out on the kind of sometimes violent and really psychedelic and odd weird stuff that goes on in the animation and I almost want to go back and re-look at it because the second or third episode I was really zoning out of what was happening in the action of the of the adventure that's happening because it is really fast-paced and bizarre and there are all these weird creatures and it's a real kind of um, atmospheric thing to watch but at the same time it does link in with what they're talking about so the most moving episode is one where he's interviewing his mum, his own mum, who's an expert in, um, uh, what was, I can't remember now what it was, but it was about, exis- it was really existential. She was a psychologist, wasn't she? And then she's also terminally ill. Yeah, so they're talking about these really deep topics, like about life and rebirth and rebirthing and why we're here and what our purpose is. And it's really emotional. But at the same time, it's also super entertaining and some really odd stuff happens later in the in the <laughs> it's all linked in with like the idea that it's illegal what he's doing this sort of psychedelic stuff this machine that he has and it and he has to go and steal some stuff to make it work i mean it's all bonkers oh um, yeah he's got hold of a forbidden multiverse simulator he can bring items back from the simulator can't he Just yeah he gets a little bit mr ben Uh, about it you know that he he goes off into these has these special secret adventures that no one else knows about he's got no friends a bit later we might meet some neighbors but he's living this quite lonely life but there's all these little spin-off things which i'm sure if i could be bothered to look on the internet about fans of this show they've probably already got like their own fan base like he brings back a, a flower a rose in one of the adventures that is this amazing like thing that brings people back to life <laughs> and he plants it and then it has its own cult following of rodents that that create this shrine around it anyway if i hadn't seen it myself and chris was describing it to me and says ramdas pops up in it at some point um i would have thought chris was tripping on mushrooms when he was telling me about it because it's so spot on about what i me and chris like so much psychedelics and cartoons and meditation or and real um philosophical chit chat yeah there's some pretty deep level philosophy and spirituality or at least what you'll find in an animation in there it's almost not worth saying i adored it so much it may be my favorite thing i've watched this year i was impossibly moved by the episodes that were trying to really move me and i was grossed out when i was meant to be grossed out and i was um, intellectually challenged when I was meant to be intellectually challenged and I was inspired and I laughed my head off when I was supposed to laugh my head off so it did its job I wonder about how brilliant a universe builder Pendleton Ward is that he created a universe he is able to take things that have no logic to us but then he gives them really firm internal logic so that he can then do the most visionary crazy things and yet it still feels like it holds firm as a narrative. He did it in Adventure Time incredibly well, and now he's done it in terms of an sort of intellectual 
deep dive into things. It's as good as the best event of Adventure Time. I kept thinking it was like, you know, Rick and Morty has got that fierce intellect behind it, but is nihilistic and really amoral and challenging and that's part of the point of it and therefore it picks up a kind of horrible, nasty, fanboy, alt-right audience as well as a, a different audience. This felt to me like as smart as that and as mind-expanding as that, but from love rather than fear or from a kind of, it's not nihilistic in the same way, it's much more driven by love and it felt incredibly powerful for that. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect okay you've got all these psychedelic characters but like the main character is a bloke living on his own in a trailer park who's just kind of enjoying his own life having doing whatever he wants oh that's you interesting know, so i didn't hero. think he was necessarily enjoying his life but you that's not my point that's not my point it's just another bloke doing his thing you know like the bloke in the shed trope right if you if you want to if i have to criticize it yeah um and the computer is a escape for a lot of bloke that's their bloke's shed you know that's their that's their fire time and he goes off to play these games or these that go and does this podcast and that's another bloke type thing so you could see how a lot of folks could like identify with that but that's not my point really is that um one of the thing my favorite episode to interrupt you to tell you my favorite episode before i forget was the one about reincarnation oh that was incredible and that's what makes me think i need to go back to them because they do even though they seem like they're not following the narrative of what they're talking about or the discussion in the podcast part they totally are and when i say it seems like they're almost separate but they're not um so this one i mean this guy is they're sort of reliving this situation and he's getting born and reborn and like keeps having the same mistake it's like a groundhog day episode and it's so excruciating and violent and because it's like proper violent cartoon yeah and the character dies over and over again in horrible ways yeah exactly and that's why it has to be a cartoon i suppose but yeah and then it's i mean that's the the production part of it is what gets me because how can you have such a bonkers animation and then f- like layer it on top of all the conversation the, that they're the having all the way through? And then sometimes they make a mistake and, and they say his real name, Duncan. Oh, no, I thought that was deliberate. And then, like no. when the episode with his mother. No, there's another episode where he's there's someone else says oh, it. Like I a, think that's planned. I think they break the fourth wall and they take it out no, of that Duncan is his real name and Clancy no. is an escaping avatar anyway. No, it, they, it isn't because it's not the one with his mum. There's, there's another episode where he says the character is a reverend, I think. Oh, wow. oh, there's a really amazing one where I was like, oh my God, I've, I feel like I've seen this in a dream myself, like where, <laughs> where, where, where um, he goes to meet... Reverend Bob or something, and he's yeah. like meditating on a ledge. Anyway, it's awesome. This is a gateway into learning about meditation and what it's really about. Not even just specifically meditation, but it's a gateway into thinking about some really interesting enlightenment topics and esoteric topics. Ramdas popping up in it as Ramdas is amazing. So that reincarnation episode. The Groundhog Day thing of doing the thing over and over again until you get it right, or the Samskara. or Kate Atkinson's novel Life After Life, or it, it's a that is a particular kind of form, and this thing achieved it 
so incredibly well and so incredibly harsh like that's the thing about it is it has to be harsh to be real and like because the tendency will be to make death less unpalatable in order to feed the end but you can't no and it's what an extraordinary episode of any kind of art i mean that was a that felt like we were immersed in an incredible piece of art it explains reincarnation in a really fascinating way because sometimes people like me and you who've been brought up um in a philosophy or a religion that is like you die and then that's it or you go to heaven or hell a theology um with buddhism and re and uh, hinduism and th- those philosophies that people believe in reincarnation it's that if you did lead a really horrible life it's not like you get away with it the suffering is continual until yeah, you make until your, you are enlightened and yeah you've enlightened or you make your peace or you choose to come back or you've like been had your punishment <laughs> <laughs> When I have to do these podcasts or any of the meditation groups I've been doing online, I don't have a script. I tune in and channel what I want to say, right? But when I feel off my center or nervous or I can't do it, I'm not, I can't, I just can't do it. I you just can't fake it. I can't, but it's also like coming from somewhere else. And that's what's happening in those podcasts. When people are talking about their spiritual stuff, they are like channeling and they're talking from the heart or from another place yeah so you're saying it's cutting through something like it takes away the layer of the actor and the script and the performance and the preparation and it's also well i can still do that and i've done done that but that's when um i'm really speaking some sort of truth then so in a way i've got a feeling you mentioned this when we were watching it but you haven't mentioned it now in a way it harks back to Creature Comforts, the Arman thing. Totally, Where yeah. there were interviews and then they were put in the voices of animated animals. And that that's exactly... It had the same quality of authenticity because you're hearing a thing and there's this duality of two things going on at once. You can enjoy it as a quirky tiger and you can hear someone's life, someone talking in a very truthful way about their life. It's Midnight Gospel and it's on Netflix and... Uh, it's rich. You know, maybe take it in small doses, microdoses. <laughs> How do you feel about me running an advert, Reefer? I don't mind. Oh, cool. I'll do it then. I love rummaging through boxes, actually. Nothing gives me more joy than just opening a box and going, so what have we got? I will always find interest in something. They used to have big fridges outside in the garden full of... Um, things you know ready for stuffing the whole museum would be full of the smell of boiled badger (laughs) (laughs) series two of our acclaimed podcast voices at the royal pavilion and museums is out now you're going to meet some of the walking encyclopedias working on the front line of brighton's museum service you'll be introduced to the weird and wonderful creatures of brighton's iconic booth museum of natural history you'll hear about the new models of collecting that are enabling unheard voices to be represented in Brighton Museum, how staff have been narrating the queer history of Royal Pavilion and Museum's collections, making the organisation a beacon for LGBTQ communities in Brighton and beyond. If, like, the gay people left, <laughs> would, anyone, would anyone do it? I don't, know if, I don't know if they would. And you'll hear about the precious historical items to be found when rummaging through boxes behind the scenes at the museum. Join me, Dr Sophie Frost, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Search and subscribe to Voices of the Royal Pavilion and Museums, where you can also catch up with Series 1. Thank you for listening. There's a programme that I've been wanting to watch for some time. I really, really, really wanted so badly to watch this programme because it's the star is a Indian immigrant Asian woman like from America called Mindy Kaley and she's a big star in the US I don't know if she's that big a star here but people in certain communities will know who she is yeah she However, was in the American version of she, The Office yeah. and that became really successful yeah so I've never watched the American version of The Office I barely could cope no no I really <laughs> like I really like the British office right but I like I don't see why I would need to see that but she's not in Parks and Rec all right that's why yeah. yeah that's why I watched instead of the American office anyway finally we found this series um and I really really wanted to like it and there is a lot of parallels between um I think I suppose it's the precursor to what we see in why we love um Brooklyn Nine-Nine it's basically the story of a woman who has been like fed you us. You haven't yet told us what the title of the, the series is. The title of the series is called The Mindy Project. Her name is Mindy. She is a gynecologist and helps women deliver babies. And she works in an office with two men. She's got herself in the mood that she feels like she needs to get a man. And it's all a kind of like a rom-com. So she's obsessed with rom-coms. So everything she does in the first two seasons anyway are all about finding the perfect man based on her experience of relationships from the most famous romantic comedies like When Harry Met Sally. Already it sounds like shit, doesn't it, dear listener? <laughs> I, 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 I um, got into it and then it was so many problematic things and I really wanted to love it. And she's quite funny. There's no depth to it. The fact that she's Indian doesn't make any difference at all. It could be New Girl. And that program, I really hate for various reasons. It's so, what's the word? Reductive. The idea of a woman spending her whole life trying to find a man is one thing. Her banging on about her weight quite a lot of the time is is kind of annoying. There are two other blokes that one she is sleeping with for the first season and the next the other one has got this she's got this on-off thing so it's trying to be a bit like moonlighting and she just spends a lot of time going out with various different characters who are like a Hugh Grant kind of roguish bloke we tried really hard with it so the main tv series we're going to talk about in this segment to do with Mindy Kaling wasn't that which is fine (laughs) we'll keep this but there's a new tv series which is a teen coming of age romance series called Never Have I Ever You don't look like you're asleep. What are you doing here? I'm doing exactly what I said I'd do. I'm here to have sex with you. Normal teenagers end up in prison. Or worse, working in Jersey Mike's. Buckle up for some steamy teen romance. (laughs) Oh, shit. Never have I ever, which is the story of a first-generation Indian-American teen. Uh, The main character's called Devi. She's played by Maitreya Ramakrishnan, a really terrific young actor, the whole cast, which is pretty young and teen teen upcoming, is all really good. It's well performed. It's uh, tightly written. Mindy Kaling is the showrunner and writer of this show. And it's quasi-autobiographical. So it's a coming-of-age comedy 
And that's the thing we were mainly going to talk about because it's new, so we're going to talk about it. And it's it's very rare to have a show with an Indian American lead, especially a teen show. She's not also, there's a kind of quite a courageous aspect to it, which is that she's not altogether a sympathetic character. She's very flawed. But one of the reasons we were going to talk about that and talk about that we then went back and binge watched The Mindy Project is that when you say The Mindy Project is problematic, what's particularly frustrating is this show had a couple of bits in the same way. So both of the shows, there are secondary characters who are African-American who are quite... They're just badly written. They're like written as quite stereotyped. She has an Indian family with quite traditional values and she's rubbing up against that. Now, we've seen that recently portrayed. For example, it's portrayed really well with Kim's Convenience that you mentioned, that the family, the relationships with the family being made complicated by the generational thing is a really interesting, complex part of the show. Whereas in this, it felt much more like that kind of stereotypical, almost like you'd find in a, a London film where you've got two-dimensional caricature parents being very almost like stereotypes and then the kind of westernized character rubbing up against that and um i found i found that really difficult i found that quite difficult i found it and then when you talk about the mindy project and the fat thing that really got up my nose because in american culture they are really sensitive about fat issues they don't tend to make jokes about fat people overtly jokes about fat people even when fat characters are portrayed very unsympathetically because they're fat so that even when they're being prejudiced about fat people like in Seinfeld for example they don't specify it's not a conversation about fatness whereas in the Mindy Project so often there were really unsympathetic portrayals of fat people and then she gets away with that by being a plus-size person herself and then being very sassy about her weight like if anyone says oh you're looking a bit overweight or says something along those lines she fights back really hard the character and so that's supposed to be like empowering that she doesn't accept it but at the same time when a minor character's overweight everyone makes a massive joke of it yeah it's it's very problematic i don't know if it was going to get better but i had to give up after i mean there was other things to watch well, we did do three short. and a half series of it I know, in I about really, two weeks i was really trying to make it work for me well no also I, some of it was funny yes it was lolling we it did was, loll yeah. quite a lot at first, because it's so rare, I really want to like this stuff. Yeah. You know, I really want to have, I really want to enjoy seeing these different portrayals of, of people. And um, I saw on the internet, some people really liked it. You know, it wasn't perfect, the never have I ever. Um, but they enjoyed these um, other Asian women, really enjoyed seeing those families like the woman portray like they found that the the dad died is died had died in the program so they they found that quite moving her relationship with her dad and missing her dad and acting out as a teenager about it they found the mum talking to her in hindi and seeing that on the tv and being a bit strict about her trying to like dress like provocatively in tiktok videos or whatever you know it was just they understood that and they enjoyed seeing that portrayed on mainstream tv you know, it's no Bargy on the Beach or, or, or Bend and Lie Beckham, you know, which these some of these themes were explored by generations, you know, our generation. It's Doesn't like, Bend It Like Beckham fall for some of those same tropes? Yeah. And when was that? When did that come out? Yeah. 
years that, ago. It's exactly. But then we recently watched that Springsteen film that everybody loved and we hated it. And that did exactly the same thing. Exactly, exactly. Some of that stuff reminded me of My Blue Full on Dread, which came out in 88. So yeah. anyway, the first opening scenes are like her talking to a shrine and there are Indian gods and goddesses. It was tailored to a white audience, basically. Oh, okay. completely. You didn't need to change a load of it. Like, for example, she's grieving. Her and her mother are struggling because they're grieving the father who died. But, for example, they then put in this weird bit of backstory about how she had to use a wheelchair for yeah, three months of the really, previous year really of school. really problematic. And, and it's not even part of this drama. Like, the drama begins when she's got up and is walking around again. Was it's problematic because of wheelchair users. Yeah, you know, it's just what, yeah. disgusting. Really. And then also that yeah, so it becomes a thing where she is in the school. That's her. That's what defines her. Which absolute bollocks. And the class thing is really, is really striking for a lot of us British Asians, right? And there's a whole like side story which has echoes of not strange things. It's um, Sabrina, right? Oh, Sabrina really? has some a mixed race friend who's queer right in this series like her family it hasn't ever crossed their mind that their daughter might be gay in this day and age it feels really excruciating and weird it's not new or cutting edge we've seen it in every mainstream drama it's perfectly mainstream acceptable for a young person to come out and it be either a bit nerve-wracking and then they do it and it's fine right we've seen that and even in the fiction of their community there were other queer people who were were acting much more like they are comfortable and out queer people in this school, in this, in the reality of this show. And yet our kind of minor character was so two-dimensionally written that her coming out narrative felt like a cliche. It didn't feel real. Was, oh, well, this is, was, we're really yeah. slagging it off now. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the trouble, right? That we watched um, Blackish, like just by really We, we didn't watch Blackish, we watched Black AF. Oh, Black AF, sorry. The Rashida Jones show, which maybe we should talk about <laughs> properly. What, if we can remember episode? it. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll be able to remember yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we will be able to remember it. And we will talk about Black AF in another episode. If you've got a platform, if you've got an opportunity to write some parts for your for whoever you want to write parts for, for what the fuck did you get into this business for in the first place, then write some decent parts and have them like... <laughs> It's not like you're the pioneer. There's been lots of other, lots of other examples, and um, yeah, I, it's just disappointing. And I, I wanted to like it. What are you reading for? 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 Refar. Right. Well, I didn't read a book. I stumbled across a podcast called Dissect. Have you come across it before? No, I haven't. Well, it's a music podcast, Chris. I thought you were like all up on these music podcasts. The presenter is Cole Chuncha. No, Cuncha. He has dissected, hence the name of the podcast, song by song, each episode. They do about 40 minutes on each song for Kanye, Frank Ocean, Kendrick. But of course, I was bang into listening to their dissection of Beyonce's album Lemonade. And he also does this particular series with a woman called T.T. Shodia. So what's that called again? It's called Dissect. And just for an example, the episode about Hold Up 
goes into the really deeper levels of the album and the stages of grief and the journey into healing and the historical lens on past history and different depictions of black women in media like the mother and the mammy and the Jezebel and the angry black woman. It also dives deep into the visual imagery and the spiritual symbolism combined with, if you remember, because it's so nice to remember this album, isn't it? Wharton Shire's words and those religious West African practices and the fact that, you know, that when she's walking down the street with the yellow dress on and a baseball bat, she's channeling the goddess Ocean, the gorgeous, passionate goddess of water, and then as well as an- analysing all the beats and the, the dance hall references and the Andy Williams stuff and the MB and the maps, yeah, 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 and all of that stuff, you know, all of that, it's just really heartening to listen to people talking about this album. If you want some intellectual, what's the word, analysis of your favourite albums, have a look at that. What are you reading? After Midnight Gospel... I went back to David Eagleman's book, Some, um, which is a small book. David Eagleman wrote 40 very short descriptive stories, each of which describes an afterlife, a a kind of imagined what happens when you die. So the book has this very pure, descriptive, prose poetry way about it. And I just sort of flipped through it and found myself rereading it and it's it's very beautiful it's a very simple idea but it's very beautiful nice and that's our show wow that was quick thanks very much for listening yeah thank if you, you very much if you want to come to my workshop that I'm running on the 13th of May you can go to refigure-may2020.eventbrite.co.uk that's refigure hyphen may2020.eventbrite.co.uk it starts at seven and it's pay what you can and it's all about clarity and purpose i'm also doing my free weekly meditation group as well on the line very nice um want to say a big thank you to steph steph pause our dear friend on the isle of man he fixed up this quite posh microphone and uh, sent it to me Um, He got it super cheap. He loves buying and selling on eBay. Anyway, I'm really enjoying using this microphone. It works perfectly, so it's great. Um, I'm not doing anything to talk about, so that's fine. It'd be lovely to hear from you. We're on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash refigurepod, and we're on Insta at refigureuk. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Take care of yourselves. Love you lots. (laughs) 